0: Well, Holy Spirit, we thank you that our hearts are open to receive this morning. We want to grab hold with you as we open the word that you inspire. We thank you that you flood the eyes of our heart with understanding. Thank you that we know what is the hope of our calling and what is the exceeding greatness of your power towards us who believe according to the working of your mighty power. We thank you that when we look at your word, revelation flows, that we have expectation that things are revealed to us. And so, Holy Spirit, we thank you that you show us things to come. You bring things to our remembrance. You lead us in paths of peace. Oh, we just thank you, and we work with you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, thank you, Christopher. Well, how's everybody doing? (laughs) Uh, It's kind of like, while I was worshiping this morning, it was like, there's like so many different directions I feel like I could go this morning. And so we're just gonna have to kind of feel this out a bit. (laughs) You know, we've we've been doing a series for the month of January on the name of Jesus. And there's so many awesome worship songs that can remind us of this. There is power in the name of Jesus to break every chain you know there's just there's so much but this is something that as christians we need to understand that this is the if all end all be all of everything the name of jesus makes everything bow paul said that god has given jesus the name that is above every name that every knee should bow and every tongue confess. And he told the Ephesians that Jesus has been raised up and made to sit on the right hand of the Father far above everything. Every principality and power, Every name, not only even the time that we live right now, but every time there will ever be, there will never be anything higher than the name of Jesus. And it's a really sh- a shame that the body of Christ does not make a bigger deal out of the name of Jesus, because it's one of the last things he told his disciples, in my name and so we've been exploring this for the last three weeks this is week number four and it's really it's an offshoot of our series from december that everything changed and we have to have an understanding of what changed and so that's what we're going to be doing for this first half this year of 2020 is finding out what changed because if you don't know what changed you'll live like it didn't and so everything changed between the cross and the throne absolutely everything now if you ever get a chance to read E.W. Kenyon's book between the cross and the throne you should read it it's talking about things like this but we have been called to partake and not just to spectate and that's where most of Christianity is sitting back waiting for God to do something and he's saying no I've asked you to work with me in Ephesians chapter 3, 6, he says he asked us to be partakers of his promise. And then Peter told us in 2 Peter chapter 1 that as we discover and use more of those exceedingly great and precious promises, we become partakers of the divine nature. And so we often have this view in Christianity where it's like there is what God is and then there is what humanity is and you don't mix the two. That was not his. He came down so that you could go up. And that's why Paul said in verse, chapter 2 of uh, verse 6 of Ephesians, he says that you have been raised up and made to sit together with him in heavenly places, so that in the ages to come he might show you the depths of his kindness through his grace. My goodness. Uh, Paul, he didn't pull these punches that, that as Christians today, we're like, well, I'm just not sure about that. Paul's like, no, be sure be sure about these things. Everything that Jesus went through was on your behalf. If nothing changed or if we just go to heaven in the end, what Jesus did was for nothing. Well, not for nothing. If you get to go to heaven, that's still pretty great. But God, he he wasn't just thinking about when you're there. He was bringing heaven here. And isn't that when the disciples asked him to teach them how to pray? He says, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so rather than us all going to God all the time, he brought God to us so that God could be everywhere. Everywhere a child, a son, or a daughter of his is, there he is. And so... I want to go back and do a little review before we go on. In week number one, we talked about in Mark 16, verse 17, it says, and these signs will follow those who believe that in my name... They will cast out demons, they'll speak with new tongues, they'll take up serpents, and if any, they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. And this is not an exhaustive list. This is just the ones that he named. And what he was trying to get across to them is that supernatural things happen when the name of Jesus is applied. Right. And vice versa is true. They don't when it's not. And Paul told the Ephesians in chapter 2, verse 13, he says, But now in Christ, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. You know, just think about that statement for a second. He is our peace. What is this world lacking Peace, because they're not looking in the right place. He is our peace. He told his disciples, peace I leave you, not as the world gives, but as I give you. Without Jesus in our lives and without actively working with him, we don't have a hope of peace. But you have a promise of peace when you're with him. So if you're finding that you're in a place where there's not a lot of peace, what have you surrounded yourself with? Whenever I find myself getting anxious and overwhelmed, that's when I know I need to stop and I need to focus in. I pull out my Bible and I just begin to worship and pray. And I focus on Him instead of everything else. Because what you focus on, you will gravitate to. That's what they taught, that's what they taught us in traffic school when we were learning in high school. Where you look, you will go. And it's very true. My wife often accuses me of being a very distracted driver, and we're just kind of going, and I'm like, oh, it's a beautiful day. Hit the rumble strip. Where She says it's true. Where you focus, you will gravitate towards. So if you're finding an absence of peace, you need to look at what your focus is. Because if he be lifted up, he'll draw all men unto himself. So I just take some time, and I lift him up. He is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity or the everything that was fighting against the law, the commandments that contained in the ordinance so as to create in himself one man from the two, thus making peace. Why do we expect different results than the one we've been made one with. Right? If we expect these things of Jesus, and we saw them throughout his entire walk of he was on this earth, you've now been made one with him. As John told us, he says, as he is, so are we in this world. Not in heaven, not we're going to be. As he is, so are we now. So if we expect certain things or, or have come to Noah's commonplace things that he did, why do we expect different in the situations of our life that we've been made together one with Jesus? If he was moved with compassion while he was on the earth, he's moved with compassion while in you. And when he was moved with compassion, things changed, right? His heart went out and situations began, blind eyes opened, lame began to walk. You know, he calmed the storm. Mother Nature was nothing for Jesus. And what, what did he say to her? Peace, be still. You can't give of what you don't have, and he is filled with peace. Right. Hallelujah. Anybody in need of peace this morning? Because that just seems to be a theme the Holy Spirit's pulling out. If you need it, he's got it. It's right here for you. Week number two, we looked at in verse 17 again. It says, and these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will do those things. You will always find that those segments of Christianity that don't believe in those things never see those things, and it's for good reason. They don't believe in them. And what belief is, belief is not some super magic, supernatural thing. It is basically you saying to God, I believe what you said is true, and I choose to act like it's so. That's all faith is. Some people say faith is the currency of heaven, or faith makes things happen. Faith does nothing but align you with God. He hasn't changed, He hasn't moved. But we move every day in our beliefs. Our beliefs are always shifting. So, what do you allow to be your anchor, and what do you allow yourself to fix yourself to? And so he says, these signs will follow those who believe. And then Acts chapter 3, verse 16, after Peter and John had healed the man at the beautiful gate, their explanation to everyone was and that in his name, the name of Jesus, and through faith in his name, he has made this man strong, whom you see and you know, and yes, the faith that comes through him. So the faith that they used that day came through Jesus. Jesus. And how did it come through Jesus? They had been made one with him. So the same faith Jesus was using on this earth was present with them and in them and active to be used. And it says it's given this man perfect soundness in the presence of you all. You are, you know, some people say this, and I've heard it so many times since I've been a pastor. Well, I just wish I had a little more faith. You don't need more faith. You've got all the faith you need. I love what Paul said to the Romans in chapter 12, verse 3. He says, for I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each man a measure of faith. Now, the thing about this verse, the problematic, is this word a, that's not what it is in the Greek. It's the, and when it talks about a measure, it's talking about a standard unit of measurement. God hasn't shortchanged Garnet, but given lots to Chris. He's given us the measure of faith, and it's up to us so whether or not we choose to use it, to apply it, to believe in it. You don't need to have more faith. You've got all you need. Cultivate it. Let it grow and be active in your life. You've got everything you need to radically change your life and situations right now so what do we need to do we need to believe and modify our expectations and actions to line up with our beliefs it's easy to find out what people really believe if you listen to them and watch them because you do and you talk what you believe people come up and they say i am believing god for this but as a pastor if i listen long enough I find out what they truly do believe about the situation if you listen long enough. And so if God has said something, modify your expectations and your actions to line up with it. Now last week, we were talking about how Jesus works with us. And this is a concept that, you know, the body of Christ really needs to grab hold of because you hear this all the time about how they're waiting on God to do something. You don't have to wait on God. He's waiting on you. He told his disciples right after he told them to use his name, he said, so then after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and he sat down at the right hand of God and they went out. They went somewhere, they moved somewhere, they preached something, and it says the Lord working with them and confirming the word through accompanying signs, amen. He said he works with them. He worked with them. How could he work with them? Because they had been raised up to sit together with him in heavenly places, just like Paul said. And so as soon as you step out on the word of God, guess what? He's there to back you up and to work with you in that situation. You don't have to wonder If God's going to be there, you should be content to know that he is right there with you when you step out. To do these things that he said are possible to us. Because the word with them meant is synergio, which means to work together, to help in work, to be a partner in labor, to put forth power together and to thereby assist. You don't assist someone who's sitting back on their blessed assurance. If someone is sitting back, what is their expectation? You're going to do it for them. But that's not the language that the Bible uses. That's why there's so many ifs. If you work with then. And we see that reflected in the story of the man at the beautiful gate. In verse 6 it says... Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Now you think that would be enough. The name of Jesus has been applied. But Peter had an expectation that something was going to change in that moment. And so he took the lame man by the hand and said, get up. Peter's beliefs, expectations, and actions were all in sync together because he truly believed that when the name of Jesus was applied, things change. He told the man to get up, and he said, let's just go ahead and help the process along. And so he jumped up, he stood on his feet, he began to walk and walking and leaping and praising God and went into the temple with them. And so we talked about last week how Jesus himself said, up until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Meaning, up until this point in history, this wasn't available to you. But what did we say? Everything changed between the cross and the throne. So up until now, it wasn't this way, but now it is. Ask, and you will receive that your joy might be full. Hallelujah. And Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it's sufficient for us. And Jesus said, have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? Who has seen me has seen the Father. And how can you say, show us the Father? And what Jesus is trying to get across here to Philip is Jesus and God think the same way. They operate on the same wavelength. You know, because there is a segment of Christianity who thinks that God's a bit angry, but Jesus is the one who appeased him. That can't be possible because they think the same way. If Jesus is happy, so is God. And it says, Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, and the words that I speak to you, I don't speak of my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the work believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. And as I was reading through that last night, I just had this thing pop up is many people won't believe what you say, but they'll believe when they see the miracles and they see the work. That's why it said the Lord worked with them with accompanying signs following. Why? Because there are people that aren't going to believe what you say regardless of what you say. But the thing with Jesus They just saw it everywhere he went. And he is no different than you, the kids of God. Hallelujah. And so he goes into the next verse. He says, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I will do, he will do also. And greater works than these will you do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Hallelujah. These things bring glory to God and attention to God and change the focus. You know, there's so many things that this world has begun to be wrapped up in, and everybody's like, oh, it's getting worse and it's getting worse. And- All it needs is just a little bit of light. And you got that light. So we aren't waiting on God. God is just waiting on us to develop a bit of a backbone and actually take him at his word. The name of Jesus. This is just like a topic that we could spend like so much on. But as I was thinking about God, how do we wrap this up? This morning I'm going to preach this from an angle that I don't think I have ever in the last 12 years and last week while we were preaching, I mentioned the story about E.W. Kenyon and how he was preaching on the name of Jesus in a city in Tennessee. And while he was preaching, a lawyer stood up right in the middle and he says, do you mean to tell us that Jesus has left us power of attorney to use his name? And E.W. Kenyon was a little shocked because usually people don't talk back when you're preaching. And uh, and so he's like, I, I don't know, I, I'm just a preacher and you're the lawyer, why don't you tell me? And he said, if language means anything, that's exactly what he did. And so E.W. Kenyon flipped it around and he said, so what is the value of, the pow- of having power attorney? And he said, it completely depends on the power and the authority and the resources behind the name. And so when we think about the name of Jesus that he's left for us to use, what type of power is behind it? What did Paul pray in Ephesians chapter 1 again? That we would know what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe. What about the authority behind the name? In Matthew chapter 28 he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me, therefore you go, take it, use it. What resources are behind the name of Jesus All heaven has been left to him and we're joint heirs together with Christ Jesus. So what value is having power of authority in the name of Jesus? All heaven stands at attention at your back to work with you and work on your behalf. And when you say in Jesus' name, it's legally signed on your behalf. Now this is a legal term. The power of attorney and why would why would we be interested in a legal term? Do you understand that lots in the New Testament is strictly legal arrangements? You read the book of Hebrew it's all about the legalities of the covenant we live in because God made a covenant with us and a covenant is a legal contract. A covenant is a legally binding contract. Do you realize if you're married you've Grow, you've joined into a legal covenant of marriage. So, why would the Bible have legal terms? Because in the court of God, God sits up there and has set up a system that when you use the name of Jesus, it expedites your case through the system. In Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6, it says, But now Jesus, our high priest, and what is a high priest? A high priest was our representative to God. And it says, and he has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood, for he is the one who mediates, that's another legal term, for us on far better covenant with God based on better promises. And the next verse says, if the first covenant had been faultless, there'd be no need for a second covenant. To replace it. And so we have to understand that God has made a covenant with man. And But the one thing I love about the covenant, it's not based upon you. It says because God could swear no by no one greater, he swore by himself. And so God left man's ability out of it so man couldn't screw it up. He based it upon himself because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, which means the covenant never changes. What he's put into place will forever be that way because no one has the power to overturn it. So think about this. This is what John the Beloved said in 1 John 2. He said, my dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. Not sinning is a great thing. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. i got to ask you a question. What is an advocate? It's a lawyer. Do you understand that Jesus is your lawyer? (laughs) And it says, and he himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. And not only for our sins, but the sins of all the world. So let's think about that for a second. The person that is representing you, who is your lawyer in the court of heaven, is also the person who finalized the contract and purchased it and paid it with his own blood. How can you lose He knows what's in the contract. He signed it in his blood. Oh, that just makes me excited. So if we jump back to Hebrews chapter 8, and in verse 12 it says, I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins. And when God speaks of a new covenant, it means he made the first one obsolete. (laughs) It is now out of date and will soon disappear. So if Jesus is our lawyer, who's the judge? In Hebrews chapter 12 it says, but you've come to Mount Zion and the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company company of angels, to the general assembly of the church of the firstborn, who are registered in heaven, and to God the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect. So not only is your lawyer, Jesus, the one who created the whole covenant contract, purchased it, signed it in his blood, his dad is the judge. (laughs) And when you come before him, he's not only representing you as your lawyer, verse 24 says, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. So basically it works like this. Jesus says, here's what the contract says. And then he gets out of his booth, And he goes before God and he says, so the lawyer tells me that this is how it is. And I want to let you know that that's actually how it is. (laughs) The system's rigged. (laughs) (laughs) He's the mediator of a new covenant and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. What did the blood of Abel speak? Murder. Murder. What did the blood of Jesus speak? Freedom. 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 Innocence. Guiltless. Perfect. Blameless in my sight. (laughs) Oh, I I love how this picture I'm about to show you of Isaiah. Isaiah is speaking prophetically of our God. He says, the Lord will be our mighty one. He will be like a wide river of protection that no enemy can cross, that no enemy ship can sail upon. For the Lord is our judge, our lawgiver, and our king, and he will care for us and save us. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Let's add a third one into this. This is what Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 4. He said, I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race, and I have kept the faith. And finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but to all who have loved his appearing. He's a righteous judge. We don't have to worry about it like it is in the human system where you could have a corrupt judge. You go before the righteous judge. So why is all the teaching we hear about God being the judge so negative? And I'll tell you why. Most people don't understand their innocence by the blood of Jesus and the grace of God. If you are guilty, you should be afraid of going before the, go- before the judge. If you're innocent, you've got nothing to fear. And so when we hear that God is a God of judgment, judgments can be a good thing. Yeah, right. If you're falsely accused and the judge makes a judgment on your behalf, that's a good thing. And so it all has to do with the light that we look at it And If you see God as angry, mean, and wrathful, of course you're going to not want to go before Him. But when you understand what the blood of Jesus has done for you and what the name of Jesus, how it opens the doors of heaven to you, You don't have to fear the judge. Romans 14.10 says, So why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down at another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. And judgment's only a problem if you're guilty. But do you understand that the word they use for the judgment seat of God is also the Bema seat, which is the reward seat of Christ, of God? when you hold the covenant up before him, he's like, that's right, this is exactly what my kids get, and you are rewarded. Hallelujah. You are not guilty. It says in Romans 3.22, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And it is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone has sinned. We all screwed up. I don't think anybody will fight you on that. We all fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God freely and graciously declares we are righteous. And he did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. (laughs) The lawyer who represents you, who also mediates between you and God, who's the son of God, is also the one whose picture is there when it says, you're free, you're innocent. Verse 25 says, For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People were made right with God when they believed that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair When he held back and didn't punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead. Oh, I like that. This is not just about the point of the cross. It says, for he was looking ahead. He was looking ahead. Where did he find you? Well, he was looking ahead. And including them. (laughs) And what would he would do in his present time? God did this to demonstrate his righteousness for he himself is fair and just and he declares sinners to be right in the sight when they believe in Jesus. Why is it important that you use the name of Jesus? Because it's the one that speaks your innocence. Yes. It says, can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No. <laughs> because our acquittal, again, another legal term, our acquittal, the case being dismissed against us is not based on obeying the law, it's based on faith. <laughs> so who's trying to prosecute us then? <laughs> Revelation 12:10 says Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And they didn't love their lives unto death. Who's the accuser of the brethren? The enemy. And who's the foolish one? Us for believing him? He speaks garbage about us all the time. But when we use the name of Jesus, we stand into the court of God and we are reminded by our mediator, our advocate of the truth. John 10.10 says that the thief comes except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But our advocate came that we might have life and life more abundantly. So let's think about this for a second. Too many people are going to get to heaven and just imagine this. You've lived your entire life. Everyone wore brown. Everyone's house was brown. Everyone's car was brown. Everyone's hair was brown. Everyone's food was brown. Everyone's grass was brown. Everyone's picket fence was brown. And on the day that you die and you wake up in heaven... And you realize everything is beautiful and colorful. That's a life lived without the name of Jesus, without understanding the potential available to you. So let's go back and put the courtroom in perspective. You've been accused. Sometimes we accuse ourselves. Look at the situation through the name of Jesus. When it is applied, you step into the courtroom of God. Your lawyer says, it's not true, Your Honor. The mediator says, he's right, Your Honor. According to the covenant, it's not true. And your righteous judge puts the gavel down and says, these accusations are false. I dismiss this case. Get this boy some rewards. That is... Is the name of Jesus at work? (laughs) Whoo! Ah, hallelujah. You don't have to be afraid to use the name of Jesus, you can't abuse it because it only works in line with the Word of God and the covenant that he's put for you so why don't you stand up on your feet with me this morning jesus we thank you that your blood speaks a better thing for us jesus we thank you that at your name every knee should bow and every tongue confess that you are lord that at your name jesus supernatural becomes natural to us the sons and daughters of almighty god that whatever situation we find ourselves no matter what the accuser has said we know that jesus you overturn it and you lead us in your paths of peace and your paths of righteousness. Oh God, I'm just so glad that I am righteous and innocent and blameless in your sight, oh God. And I, I'm fine with you being my judge because I know you are just and true and you will be forevermore. That whatever situation I find myself, I know you've got my back. You are right here with me and you lead me in your paths of peace. And we praise you for it. Toph, let's worship something. Break every, chain. Break every chain. Break every chain. Oh, hallelujah. We thank you for your name, oh Lord. We thank you for your mighty name. Oh, we give you glory. Yes, Jesus. Oh, the name above all names. Oh, we'll boldly. Our name, jesus. Yeah. <laughs> at the mention of your name all oh, heaven bows at the mention of your name oh doors open the door at the mention of your name bodies are healed oh minds are transformed at the mention of your name jesus yeah. you haven't made Jesus the Lord of your life he is the one who's worked on your behalf he is the one that makes a way where there seems to be no way and he says that all those who call upon his name shall be saved so we would love to pray with you right now come on church let's pray Father I receive Jesus I receive what he's done for me I receive your precious gift And I declare you as Lord, Jesus, forevermore. Amen and amen. If you prayed that prayer with us this morning, we would love for you to get in contact with us. We would love to get you hooked up with a good church in your area and some resources in your hands. But guys, Jesus is always with you. Wherever you go, you have access and authority to use his name. Don't be ashamed of it. Don't hold it back. Let it go. (laughs) You are loved and accepted by Almighty God. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you all soon.